Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. If you would like to hear or suggest a topic, please DM me at Two Inches Off the Ground or email me at Free Spirit Podcasts, that's with an S, at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I have so much gratitude this week. Thank you so much for all the follows on Instagram. Yay. And the beautiful comments listeners left on Podbean last week. Little Red Rocker said, great podcast. I binged all the episodes in one work week and I've been sharing with my friends. That is truly amazing. Thank you so much. And seriously, this not only makes my day, but my work week. For those of you who listen on Apple Podcasts, the Apple Podcast app, ratings and reviews are becoming absolutely vital for us smaller podcasters. The stats tell me that 85% of you listen on Apple Podcasts. So I wanted to tell you, here's how it works. When you rate a review on Apple, not only my podcast, but everyone else, you can only submit a rating and review once per podcast. You cannot rate by episode. You only rate by the entire podcast. So I've had people tell me, listen, I've rated every single episode, which is so nice and I appreciate that, but that five-star rating only counts once. So I just want everyone to know that. As of today, Two Inches Off the Ground on Apple Podcast has 831 downloads but only six ratings. So please go on and give me a five-star rating and a review if you can. Thank you so much. Check out freespiritpodcasts.com where I have digital products and services that I created for you for the highest good. You can check out my metaphysical TV guide. You can check out my metaphysical consulting services. And you can also just donate to support this podcast. Everything helps. Thank you so much. One more announcement. I will be removing two enlightened bitches to make room for my forthcoming podcast. I will say more in the coming weeks. I'm so excited. I'm going to start working on logo and everything. But if you want to listen to two enlightened bitches, please do so by May 1st, 2021, because that's when... It's coming down. Please note, for this episode, I am not a psychologist or therapist or doctor of any kind, as we've discussed so many times. Please consult with a mental health professional if you need to address issues of abuse and trauma. Uh, Before I start this, my dog Jake is here today because his dad is not around He is very into licking himself and making some noise. So if you hear that in the background, that is him. All right, today's topic. How do we embrace the dark and learn from it? Last year was a dark year for most of us around the globe. Humans began to struggle in various forms. In areas, quite frankly, we never thought we'd struggle in, mothers are now working, I would say, three full-time jobs with homeschooling, being an everyday mom, and working their own career full-time jobs. Extroverts are taking on an introvert life. People who have lost their lives or have lost people close to them, it's been a hell of a year. 
So how do we learn from the darkness? We all know to have light, we must have dark. Think of the pagan holiday of Ostara, the spring equinox, or Mabon, the fall equinox. There is an exact balance between light and dark. But in Western society, we view dark as evil or bad. But what happens when the darkness is inside of us? I've been watching a series for the second time around. I'm sure you know it. It's called Dexter. And it was a 2006 Showtime series. And it's based on a book called Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay, who I'm sure has pulled in a ton of money. So God bless Jeff Lindsay. Good for you because that show went eight seasons. So I'm sure you got paid well. Dexter is a vigilante serial killer. So the premise is he kills people who are quote unquote bad, people that the police have overlooked, such as murderers, uh, rapists, child molesters, etc. And he refers to that serial killer dark side of him as his dark passenger. In the series, you see how he embraces and struggles with his dark passenger. But what's most gripping about this series is he's just a regular guy. At the end of the day, he's just a dude. He has this part of him that no one knows And his father painstakingly trained him to fit in with society. The father taught him emotional cues. And Dexter's picked some of them up, but he gets the cues now that he's older, how to fit in with society. And he fits in, in some ways, pretty seamlessly. I actually knew someone where their child, who she was not a serial killer by any means, but she had no empathy. And I know that's hard to hear as empaths, but there are people out there that just do not have that mental, emotional function of having empathy. And her parents enlisted a therapist throughout her childhood to incorporate empathy. She was learning empathy from this therapist. She was learning the cues. She was learning how to be empathetic. And I saw her when she was 17, And she was still learning. She still didn't have a lot of the empathic cues, which ended up annoying a lot of people. So that's something that she had to keep working on. Very interesting, right? So the father trains Dexter to know these cues and live by these societal cues. The scenes you end up watching when he's in a romantic relationship, they're actually really funny. You can't tell if he's acting clueless because he's an emotionless serial killer or he's just being a guy. He's just being a dude. You know how it is. Guys are often, I don't know what to say. A girl's crying. I don't know what to say. So he's the same thing. So at the end of the day, the lines are blurred. And in my life, the lines are blurred as well. And I'm not a serial killer. I swear I'm not. So I had mentioned in a few episodes back that I had a childhood trauma. And I'm going to tell you today, I am not going into nitty gritty details. I'm going to keep this very on the surface. 
If I were to ever do that, I would have a warning on this podcast before you listened, but that's not happening today. So I call this trauma therapist and she tells me about her practice. And by the way, she came highly recommended and her practice, her style sounds really good. And then she gets to her fees, which are $300 an hour. Now this is a fancy New York City therapist, which I have a feeling that the even fancier ones charge a lot more. But $300 an hour is a lot. I'm okay with that if I'm only doing a few sessions or several sessions. But she tells me that she thinks for my issue, it's going to take a minimum of three months, probably closer to a year. And she, I, I could tell that she wasn't trying to scam me because she's willing to work with me on a sliding scale. I do have insurance. I want to tell people that. I, I have insurance, but a lot of these great therapists now aren't taking insurance because it's a pain in the butt to try to get the money from the insurance company. So quite frankly, they cater to the upper middle class and they cater to the rich. And I, I understand if, if you've gone to med school and you have all these loans and everything, I would probably do the same thing, but this is a shame of mental health care in this country, right? The good ones cost a lot. But anyway, so she seemed fantastic. I said, I think about it. Five minutes later, she calls me again. She said, listen, I usually don't do this. Here's this book that you can get. It only costs $15 and I recommend it to my patients who are going through the same type of childhood trauma. And I really appreciated that. The fact that she took time out of her day to call me back and she thought of me, I thought that was amazing. I end up uh, buying the book on Audible, so I listened to it. And a normal book on Audible is around six to seven hours, a long book, eight to nine hours. This book is almost 13 hours of listening. The whole time I'm listening to these stories, they're really dark stories of abuse. So you can imagine, and so far I've listened to seven hours and it's a mind freak. I'm not even gonna exaggerate. You know, you wanna embrace the dark, you wanna go to a dark place, this is it. And the reviews of this book on Amazon say the exact same thing. Listen, only read this when you're in the mood, when you can handle it, that type of thing. But in the midst of all the darkness, I do have aha moments and epiphanies of, oh, that's why I did this, or that's why I did that. For example, the person who abused me was a narcissist. And guess what? I've had issues my entire life of attracting narcissists in close friendships and romantic relationships. In fact, to take it a step further, my abuser had a specific type. This person was a narcissistic artist, meaning they were literally an artist, someone who spent their life being an artist. That was their career. They weren't a side artist or, you know, I make jewelry on the side or whatever. They were a career artist and a narcissist which clearly explains why I was attracted to two narcissistic artists in relationships where I was able to reenact the abuse. So that was something that was really telling to me because I had looked back at these relationships and thought, God, why, 
why? Just why? You know, every time I was with these two narcissistic artists, I was super attracted to them. I was so excited to be around them. But then I was also nervous and got this sense of dread. It was, it was a very strange mixture, and both of them were very short-lived. In fact, I think both of them, the relationships only lasted maybe a month or more. That's how I knew. I knew that intuitively something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And another thing is, several years ago, when I was trying to figure out this, you know, this attraction to narcissists, I had talked to a great therapist and I went to several sessions with him and we were trying to figure out, well, was I raised by narcissists? No. Uh, did I have a narcissist in my family? One that would have a major influence on me? No. So why, where is this coming from, this attraction? And I finally realized this helped me reenact the abuse, which often happens with trauma is people go and they reenact the abuse. So that was a really good thing for me to find out. And as I embraced my darkness, I was able to find the light and learning these two things about why I was attracting people in my past. Now I can look at it and say, wow, I, I really explored that dark side of me and those dark memories to figure out the light, you know, to come out on the other side. It's been a real learning experience in weeding through the darkness and exploring my dark passenger. And my question for myself, and I don't have an answer, so I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, don't expect an answer, but uh, I think to myself, can I keep exploring it alone? And intuitively, I'm going to say no. Intuitively, at some point, whether it's this trauma therapist I talked to or another therapist that my friend recommended, I am most likely going to enlist a therapist for several sessions. Do I want to do it for a year? That's a, that's a commitment. You know, that's not only financial, but that is a scary commitment to me right now. We shall see, right? So I'm learning from the darkness, but I'm also keeping myself from being swallowed whole by it. And that's a lesson I've learned from 2009 from writing my novel. When I was writing my novel, and you know me, I'm, I'm going to have to plug it, so I'll plug it in a second, right? But when I was writing my novel in 2009, I had just gotten let go from two jobs because of the recession, and my personal life, my relationship, I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't anywhere where I wanted to be in my life. And I was in a really depressed place. So you can imagine everything's falling around me from a personal standpoint, from a career standpoint. And then I decide to write a novel on the darkest subject you can possibly write a novel on which is Vladimir Putin. And by the way, I have a master's degree in creative writing and Russian studies, and I lived in Eastern Europe, so I know the subject well. And studying him and writing him from a first-person point of view, I write in the novel as if I'm Vladimir Putin. That is a dark subject, and in I was in a dark place, and I had to be in a dark place 
to write this novel because I don't think I could have done it otherwise. So it was just a really, really difficult time for me. I was literally in the bell jar. As they say in Reality Bites, I was in that bell jar. Everything around me was dark. And when I get interviewed on the book, or when I have in the past, I always say that Vladimir Putin embraces the dark. He's a really good example of Westerners are scared off by him because he has no problem putting his darkness first. And that's something to us Westerners that's really terrifying, whereas to those living in the East, Eastern Europe, they're a little more exposed to it. And they, let's just put it this way, they understand it a lot more than we do. So he really embraces that dark side. And all of this consumed me. I, I was completely swallowed by it. I, I spent a year and a half just perfecting his voice just writing in that first person voice over and over and over and perfecting it. So you can imagine, right? And the name of the novel is called I Putin and I will put it in the show notes. Anyway, I did really let myself get swallowed whole. But this time around, I learned from my past darkness not to do this. Yes, right now I'm reading a book that really details darkness and trauma and abuse and it's very hard to listen to at some points and it's very hard to re-engage with memories as I've been starting to remember some of this abuse or some details of this abuse and that's not easy either but how am I not letting myself be swallowed in this darkness well, first of all, I'm listening to this book in short sections and when I'm in the mood to do so. And I mean by short sections uh, is maybe when I'm making the bed and brushing my teeth, I'll listen to it so it's 10 minutes. Or maybe when I take a car ride, it's a half an hour. And that's how I'm digesting the book. And when I'm in the mood to do so, you know, if, if I'm having a a bad moment, or if I'm just in a great mood and I don't want to hear it, I don't have to. And after I listen, I think about it. And then usually what happens is I counter it with a light listen. So something funny or silly, I'll go on to a silly podcast or Sirius XM or something like that. I also downloaded the gratitude app. That's literally what it's called. <laughs> I think it's just called gratitude. It is in the app store, it's free. It's a pink logo with a white outlined heart inside. I'll put it in the show notes. And it has a 21 day challenge for gratitude for every day. And I really like it because I read a nice little story, quote or examples of gratitude. And then I type a sentence or two with a daily prompt of what I'm grateful for. And it's just a really nice little two minute exercise to start my day with gratitude. I've talked about it before. I'm not a big journaler. I never have been. So this is nice just to only do two minutes a day at the beginning of the day. And I really, I've been really embracing that app. I've also been communicating with my cows and they've been giving me daily messages. I meditate against a tree, I take off my shoes and socks, and I plant my feet on the earth as I meditate. So I'm getting that rooted mother earth 
supportive energy. That has been so helpful. I have this cute dog calendar where I rip off a page every day. And yes, I do recycle and reuse and recycle that page. And it has a super cute or funny message. And it's just, it's just a good lighthearted way to start the day. And I'm careful of what I put in my body, except for this weekend when I had too much dairy, but it was so good. I had an artichoke bisque soup, which was so yummy. And I also had some decaf coffee with, I, I put the milk in a foamer or a steamer. Oh, that was so good. But it ended in disaster and allergies. <laughs> Uh, yesterday. So I won't be doing that again. So I really have to watch what I put in my body because when I did that with the milk, it led to more seasonal allergies and the wind was blowing really badly yesterday. So obviously all the pollen was blowing around and that's something that was disheartening yesterday because I've been doing really well compared to last year with seasonal allergies. And I'm saying, oh, this is great. My gut, my liver is doing so much better because my seasonal allergies are doing better. And just yesterday was a major, I hate to say fail, but that's what it was. It was a major fail. But, um, you know, I have to watch myself when that happens, that I don't get more and more depressed when I'm not feeling well. And by the way, I was fine by 8 p.m. that night. I was feeling much better. Anyway, my whole point is that I really have to make sure that I'm staying in the light. And that's the best way to go about this, right? I'm embracing the dark, but I'm also tipped toward the light. I'm staying in the light as best as I can. So you can explore and learn from your darkness, your dark passenger, but you have to incorporate the light. You have to create that equinox balance. And I would say tip toward the light, just as I talked about. So I ask you, what is your dark passenger? What do you have to explore? And while you explore, how can you stay tipped toward the light? Until next time, embrace the light and the dark and live your life two inches off the ground.